Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be from 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 9. That's in your pew Bible under 1081. Again, it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing that this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, but that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth was standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that which, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It really does encourage us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. It's good to be together to worship God. Tonight, we will give honor to Bud Lambert for the 20 years of ministry and friendship and service that he has been a part of in the life of this congregation at Mount Juliet. If you have not yet RSVP'd, please be sure and do that. Uh, after the morning services, and also you'll see a list there of things uh, pertaining to the meal that you can bring tonight. And uh, we look forward to that time of being with Bud and just love and appreciate so much uh, his life of ministry and are thankful that we can continue uh, to have him available as a counselor just in Lebanon, that we can continue that relationship. Also, we are mindful of the fact that in our prayers, we're praying for the selection of elders. I want to encourage you to be praying and fasting. I want to encourage you uh, to see the, the uh, great importance of this. You know, anytime additional elders are added anywhere, one eldership dies and another one begins. I say that to you to emphasize the fact that adding men to an eldership always changes the dynamics of the eldership. In other words, if you don't think it's a big deal to add elders, you're not thinking clearly. And so I'm just encouraging you and I'm begging you to be very fervent in your prayers and I'm urging you to really give thought to who is it that you want to go and ask if they will serve. Who is it that you would love for them to shepherd your soul? And then be sure and submit their name and, and sign your name to that. God blesses us uh, in more ways than what we ever deserve as a congregation. And we must remember that with those blessings comes a great responsibility. And all the responsibility is not on the elders. As a congregation, we have a great responsibility. And I hope that, that you are uh, very, very much involved 
in what's happening over the next few weeks in your spiritual life and in your prayers and in your involvement in who you would select to be a part uh, of an eldership that would oversee our souls. Also, as we're praying this week and really for the next three weeks, let's be sure and be mindful of our team that has left for Brazil. They flew out yesterday from Nashville and they overnighted in Miami. And so they uh, are probably in the air right now. They, they had a pretty early flight this morning and then they will arrive and they will continue uh, the work that's already ongoing with the Fowlers in Brazil. And they will especially teach the gospel through teaching English by reading the gospel. And in that, a lot of relationships will begin and a lot of teaching will be done, but then to be able to see what will happen over time with those relationships, it's just a wonderful thing to watch God work. And that's part of what we will even study today as we think about God's great expectations for us. This year, that's the theme. And this month, we're thinking especially that God would tell us, I expect you to reach souls. We just had capably read for us the fact that, that Peter records by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's not God's will that any would perish. So now let me pause and ask you, what's your will? God's will is that none would perish and he would do everything that he could do to prevent that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not what? shall not perish. God loves us. He gave his son so that we wouldn't perish. God has given us a holy word to record this, this story of salvation so that we wouldn't perish. God continually interacts in our life, trying to get us to choose him. That's what we studied first this, this year. He's trying to get us to choose him. Why? Because he doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to live with him eternally. But again, I ask you, what's your will? Does it bother you if you're saved or not saved? Are you fine to go against the will of God? Oh, I know that God doesn't want me to perish, but I don't care. You're probably not like that if you're here this morning. But now let me ask you, what about your neighbors? Does it bother you if your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, does it bother you if they perish? And surely all of us, when it's put that bluntly, would say, well, yes, certainly it's bothersome and concerning. And so today is a lesson of, of reminders. When we think about what can we do? I think about when I do um, evangelism workshops. One of the illustrations that I use so often, not because it's, it's one of those that hooks your attention and, and, and the story itself motivates, I use this just because I think it paints a realistic picture of what happens in our life and us coming to the Lord or us influencing others to come to the Lord. A man fell overboard the nighttime of an ocean liner. There just happened to be one person that saw them fall overboard. That person immediately ran to a crew member and grabbed him and said, you got to do something. I just saw a man on the other end of the ship fall overboard. The man, the crew member, immediately sounded an alarm. The captain heard the SOS cry and he shut down the ship and began to steer it around. Immediately, men gathered at their positions with spotlights and they began to shine it across the waters. And as they did, it just happened to be a passenger that ran to the rail that cried up to one of the men in spotlight and said, go back, go back. And at that moment, they saw the man as he was drowning. 
A couple of divers immediately went over and began to rescue the man. Other crew members rode over a hoist and they began to hoist the man and the diver back up. Waiting there were paramedics and they revived the man. And then he was taken that evening down to the ship's doctor and the doctor cared for him through the night. And the next morning, in, in deep gratitude, he says to the doctor, can you call the one down here that saved my life? I just want to thank them. The doctor steps out of the room and he pauses and he thinks to himself, who am I going to thank? Who's the one that I should bring down? If the one person wouldn't have seen him fall overboard, he wouldn't be alive. If the one crew member would have said, oh, sure, I'll get around to sounding alarm sometime, he wouldn't be alive. If the captain wouldn't have shut down the ship, he wouldn't be alive. If the, the individuals wouldn't have put the spotlight on the water, he wouldn't be alive. If that one pastor wouldn't have said, wait, wait, go back right there, he wouldn't be alive. If the divers wouldn't have done what they did, if the, if the, the ones hosting them up wouldn't have done what they did, if the paramedics wouldn't have done what they did, and perhaps if the doctor wouldn't have done what he did, they wouldn't be alive. So who do you think? Can you name one person that's a Christian today because of only the involvement and influence of one person in their life. You can't name one. Do you think there's a reason why the Lord gives the great commission to all the church? There is no one that we can help bring to the Lord that we can do it by ourselves. And if your fear is, I just don't, I don't know about getting involved in trying to bring people to the Lord because I don't think I can do it. You can do it by yourself. I don't know anybody that can but you can do your part. You can do your part that sometimes is as simple as, can I invite you to church? We would love for you to come and, and just visit with us. The Lord says that his plan is to save people by the preaching of the gospel. What if we could bring people and let them hear the gospel? This morning, I take out of my pocket what I want you to have in your pocket by the time you leave today. If you're sitting on the end of a pew, there are three types of cards on the end of the pew. And, and if you will, don't get so hung up in the fact that you have to have all three because with as many of us as there are, they may not all make it down and back. But what I'm asking you to do, uh, on this next slide, you'll see a picture of, um, these are the, the cards that's coming down. The front is on the left side. Get one of each of those cards, if you will. Get at least one of each of the cards and one card, you'll see a, a picture of like an iPad and, and that is especially, the, the idea of that is to invite people to go online and listen to the word of God being preached. And uh, you, you know, you may know this and say, well, sure, I've thought of that many times, I do that. But um, probably in the last three or four weeks, I've been told no less than once a week of individuals. A guy sat down the other day and he said, hey, you may not know this, but uh, he said, I didn't know that I could listen to sermons online at Mount Juliet. He said, I exercise every day. He said, uh, I've already listened since the beginning of this year. He said, I've already listened to an entire year of Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I forget what year he said. And he said, I'm working on year, whatever it is now. There are a lot of people that listen to the preaching of God's word as they exercise every day. There are a lot of people, I've had several tell me, I, when I drive to work, I listen every day to a sermon. And, and so 
what a wonderful way to put an idea in someone's mind. You know, if you exercise, if while you're, you're doing, uh, whether it's a commute or whatever it may be, go online. Listen, but you know what? Also, we'd love for you to visit with us. We, we would love to have you at any time come and be with us. And someone says, well, can that really, really make a difference? Yeah, a huge difference. It takes the initial contact for someone to know. I have this little rule of thumb and uh, I know it sounds corny, but I tell you what, I don't mind living and dying by it. People cannot visit a church they do not know exist. When you hand someone this card, do you know what you have just informed them of? You've informed them of the fact that we exist, here are the times we meet, we care about you, and we would love to be involved in your spiritual life. That's a lot to communicate with just one handing of a card. Whether you're giving it to a clerk, leaving it for a waiter, giving it to a coworker, giving it to a friend, leaving it at a coffee house, wherever and whatever you do. Now, I guess I was kind of unfair to you because I asked everybody to take a card, but I didn't tell you the deal that we're making. If you're not going to get rid of these cards, if you're not going to get rid of these cards in the next three days, the next three days, don't take them. Leave them somewhere. Give them to someone. But in the next three days, through these cards, we'll have at least 3,000 invitations in this area that simply communicates we love you. We want you to come and be a part of this congregation. Please do that. Don't do it without prayer. Pray about who you'll give these to. If you're leaving them, pray about who would pick them up because it really should be something powerful. In other words, this month, what we're going to be emphasizing is please say something. Say something about God to people. When you go to work, say something about God. Tap and knock on that door and see if the other person wants to answer. Do they want to talk about God? They may not, but you planted that seed so they might later. But make sure that you say something as we think about reaching souls. And so we give a reminder, but not we give a reminder. And we're about two slides ahead. We're, we give a reminder, and I want you to think about with me the text that was so capable to read a few moments ago in 2 Peter, the third chapter, and verse 1 and 2. It's interesting to me that Peter is writing his last epistle and he's writing toward the end of, of what would be the writings in the New Testament. The church is starting to undergo some very difficult times. And he writes this last chapter that he will write and he emphasizes over and over, I'm giving you a reminder. Look with me, if you will, in verse one and two, we're gonna read it again. And I want you to notice the word like mind or reminder or put to mind. Notice this, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I what? Stir up your pure minds, how? By way of reminder, okay, what's it reminded us of? That you may be mindful 
of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior. What do he say? He says, I want to stir up your mind and I'm going to do so by giving you a, a reminder. In other words, he says, I'm going to write it down so you can go back to it time and time again. I'm not just going to give it to you once. You can read this next year also. And a group of Christians in Mount Julia in 2015, they can pick it up and they will have my same reminder also. Okay, what do you, what you want to stir up our minds. You've given us a reminder to do what? Put in your mind the word of God. Now let's go back to this stir up just a moment. Even in the Greek, the word stir up is the idea of awakening out of a sleep. That's where the root of it, that's where it comes from. It's the idea of, of arouse, rise up. You know, like when you go to wake somebody up and they just roll over and say, oh, I'm awake. And you say what? You're not awake. In other words, you're saying you're not stirred up. I mean, arouse, get up, stir up what? Your pure mind. I'm going to give you a little do I read this week and and you're going to be like, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's cheesy. It's cheesy as it gets, okay? But it may remind you of what it is to be stirred up. To, all right? <clears throat> a woman's driving down the road. She's kind of zoned out. She doesn't see the little bunny rabbit and she runs right over it. She screeches to a halt and, and the guy's out in the yard. He, he sees it. He sees her slam on the brake. And, and, and then the strangest thing, he watches her get out of the car and she has a can. And she, she sprays it on the little bunny rabbit. And he, now he can't take his eyes off. He's like, this is, what is happening? I've never seen anything like this. And he, he sprays that aerosol can for a few minutes and, and she does and, and the bunny jumps up. And he's alive. He's like, did, what did I just see? And the bunny hops a few feet and he stops and he waves at the woman and he hops a few more feet and he waves at the woman and he hops a few more feet. And he, waves, he does this all the way out of sight. She's about to get back in the car and, and he, can't, he can't contain himself. He's like, wait, 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 lady, lady. He walks over to her and he says, what did I just see? What, what is in that can? What did you just do? And she said, oh, I hate I ran over that bunny. I just didn't see him, but I got to thinking, I just bought some hairspray. And, and, it, and it says on there, it says restores life to dead hair. And she said, poor little fella, I, I didn't notice that next line, adds permanent wave. But, all right. Now on, now that I got your attention, what it might be to be stirred up and revived. If you saw what I just said, you would never forget it as long as you live. You would say, I saw a woman one time spray something on a dead rabbit and it came back to life. Do you realize spiritually, Peter is writing and he's saying, I fear that if you stay on a continual slope of not being reminded, you're going to die spiritually. I am giving you this reminder so I can stir you up to remember what will keep you alive. It's not going to be the words of scoffers that keeps you alive. It's going to be the word of God that keeps you alive. And so I'm going to stir up your mind and I want you to put your mind upon the word of God. Now, for time's sake, we're just going to have to mention some of this down through here. But, but notice in verse three and four, he mentions the scoffers. They're going to come in the last days. They're going to live according to their own lusts. So they're not living according to the word of God. It's going to be according to their sinful desires that they live. And you know what they're going to scoff and say? 
Where is the promise of His coming? Keep in mind, if God makes a promise, that's what? That's the Word of God. So a scoffer's over here scoffing the Word of God. Peter, he said, that's how I'm keeping you alive. I'm reminding you of the Word of God. And the scoffer's mocking the Word of God. Well, how are they saying? They're, they're scoffing by saying, well, God made a promise. Jesus made a promise that He's going to come back again. Look, we've gone several years now, and, and He hasn't come back again. Can God keep His promise? And so Peter gives a few examples to say, do I need to stir up your mind and remind you of how powerful and certain the word of God is? And so notice when we go to five and six, he talks about how did the world come about? The heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water. How did it come about? Look at the beginning of verse five. For this they willfully forget. They choose to forget this, what? That by the word of God, these things came about. Look at verse six. He even goes into another story in the Old Testament that we're going to be studying in our Bible classes this morning. By which the world that when existed perished being flooded with water. In other words, he just makes a quick, a quick powerful reference to say, you're going to listen to what a scoffer says instead of what the word of God says. Let me remind you how powerful the word of God in Genesis, the first chapter, in the beginning, God created. Now, if it stopped right there, what would, we, what would we say? I wish I knew. I wish I knew how he created it. We'll just read down for example. Verse 3. God, what? Said, let there be light. What was the result? There was light. Wait, wait a minute. You mean out of nothing he spoke something into existence? He said, I, I, I can't do that. Of course you can't. You're not God. I've never seen anybody else do that. Of course you haven't seen anybody else do that because nobody else is God. And listen, it's from there that that theme runs all the way through the Bible. When we skip down to, or skip over to Psalm 33, and I'm just going to mention these. If you have forgotten lately about Psalm 33, example like verse 6, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made and all the hosts by them, by the breath of his mouth. How did it come about? The breath of God's mouth. Verse 8, which isn't on the screen, he's telling us well to stand in awe of God. And the reason is in verse 9, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast or the great chapter of faith, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. What do we learn there? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. The great chapter of faith says you ought to have faith. And the reason you ought to believe God's word, because where's faith come from? Romans 10, 17, by the hearing of the word of God. Why would you put so much faith into what God says? And so the great chapter of faith says, well, it goes back to the most powerful example we have. Our very existence is not because God went down to Lowe's and he bought a lot of stuff and he spent millions of years making things. No. If you believe that, how is God's word so powerful? God's word is powerful because out of nothing he spoke and the whole world and universe came into existence. And that is the theme throughout the Bible of why our faith ought to be great. And so then we look at Peter dealing with scoffers and says, you're really going to give attention to scoffers? They're mocking what? The word of God? They're mocking the promise of God? He says, I look at creation. That's powerful. I look at the flood. You remember the flood where Noah was promised by God that a flood would come? Now, you think it's going to come if God said it was? Absolutely. What happened? The flood came. 
But then he goes uh, a couple of more steps, if you will. Drop down and, um, and read verse seven with me. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire into the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So he's going to give four examples here. And, and so the first one is, hey, look at creation. Look at the flood. It came because he promised. But then right after the flood, remember what God said he'd never do again? God made another promise. And God said, I tell you what, I won't flood the world with water again, and I'll give you a sign in a rainbow. And every time you see the rainbow, you remember my word. I give you my word. I won't do it. And so he says, now the very same word is what preserved it, so it hasn't happened again. And then he turns right around that same verse. He says, oh, but wait. His word also reserves something. This earth is going to be destroyed by fire. So if you want to build your life on everything earthly, just realize you're building your life on something that is going to perish. And so he's making that plea of what? Reminders. If we remember this, think how differently we live. Think how we live in view of eternity. If I had you to raise your hand right now and say, when's the last time you invited somebody to church? And you could say, you know, I honestly don't remember the last time. I would have to then say to you, have you been living in view of eternity? And then all of us would have to say, you know what, that's a lot easier to forget to do than what I'd like to admit. Anytime God writes about something, it's because we need it. And you know what Peter gives us? Peter gives us a reminder because there's not a person in this room that doesn't need a reminder. We need a reminder that, you know what, we don't live for this temporal existence. We live for eternity. And we live with the fact in view that there's going to be a day that everything on this earth will perish. And what will happen? Notice as, as we look at, at verse 8 and 9 and uh, 2 Peter 3 and start bringing this close. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years. See, he's addressing the scoffers here. Remember they said, oh, if he said he was coming, why hasn't he come back yet? And a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. When God says something, his word is true. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when he says he's long-suffering towards that, he's probably in his mind tying back to what he's already written to them that you'll probably study in your Bible class this morning in 1 Peter, where he ties the story of Noah and God's long-suffering with Noah. And so he's doing that very same language here. And so first he addresses the scoffers and he says, I tell you what, if they have discouraged you in any way and you thought, oh, maybe God's not coming. He says, let me remind you, God doesn't live in the realm of time. He says, is that a big deal? That's a huge deal. Because why? A thousand years can be like a day when you don't live in the realm of time. A day can be like a thousand years when you don't live in the realm of time. By that analogy, do you realize we could say by that analogy, just two days ago, Friday, Jesus walked this earth. Oh, and before he left, he said, by the way, I'm going to come again. Now, if that was just two days ago, how many of us would say, I can't, I've been waiting two whole days. Is he going to come again or not? And most of us would say, do you realize that's only been two days ago? And so the logic is this. By faith, we believe God always keeps his promises. By logic, he explains it to say, if it's longer than what you expect, just realize God doesn't live in the realm of time. But then the summary is really the huge reason we studied this today, we need this reminder, and the reminder is this. The Lord does keep his promises, 
and he reveals his will. And his will is that none of us would perish. That should mean two things to you and I personally. Number one, it should be a reminder to each of us individually how much God loves us. God wants to spend an eternity with you. He loves you deeply and dearly. The second thing it ought to mean to us is the fact that everybody you know, God does not want them to perish. And so the question that we must ask ourselves is, do I? And if I can honestly say no, then I should be willing to say something, to do something, to be mindful and prayerful and involved in any way that God gives us the opportunity. Many of you here would know Tina Edwards, that uh, she's been a member here for several years, a wonderful Christian lady. Uh, but if you know her, you may also know her because she is the director of our Mount Juliet Church of Christ preschool. Uh, for years, it met on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and now a, a same program meets also on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, it just is amazing how many kids are, are being loved and taught the Word of God and how many families are being influenced. And if you've ever uh, gotten to know Tina and you've thought to yourself maybe, why is she so passionate about making sure that seeds are planted? And, and why is she so passionate about inviting the parents to come to church? And you remember that illustration I gave you at the beginning? The ship, the man falling overboard? As we close this lesson today, I just want you to hear one example that this room would be full of hundreds of these kinds of examples. When Tina was young, she grew up in a religious home and the faith that she grew up in did not encourage her to read the word of God. But interestingly, her mother would always encourage her and her sister Kathy and Tammy to do the right things and to seek God's word. And so that instilled in them a desire to do it, but they weren't accomplishing it. And so there was a, a confusion there. And so when Tammy moved south, or when Kathy moved south to Alabama to live, they were from New York. When she moved south to Alabama to live, and, and then uh, Tina went to school in Buffalo. And some of you that are younger, you're probably like, what? This doesn't make sense. You know, before the days of internet, before the days of cell phone, and you remember high long distance rates? And so, so they would set aside Saturday because the rates were cheaper as the time that they would talk to each other. And so every Saturday they would call each other. And most of their conversation was what have you been studying lately from the Word of God? And they would teach each other. But then also, for two years, they prayed that God would help them find His church. So they're deeply studying. They're studying with each other long distance. And they're praying that God would help them find His church. Their mother planted that seed. They nurtured it with each other. And one day... Kathy got a knock on her door and it was someone from the Meridianville Church of Christ in Alabama. He said, hey, we're having a gospel meeting and we just want to invite you to this gospel meeting and here's some info. The door was closed. That really got Kathy to thinking. She went to work the next day and she asked her boss, hey, do you know anything about the Church of Christ? She said, some people from Meridian." Church Christ came over, do you know anything? And her boss said, yes, 
I do know about the Church of Christ. Me and my husband go to Big Cove Church of Christ. And it began a dialogue. And over time, the lady and her husband would come over and study with Kathy. Kathy was baptized into Christ. Shortly after that, her husband was baptized into Christ. Shortly after that, Tina graduates and comes down to Alabama to live to search for a job. She studies with that family too. And she becomes a Christian. I don't ever claim to know the providence of God. But isn't it interesting that God did not allow her to get a job in the South? And so as a young Christian, she goes back home to New York. And she has to drive 45 minutes to find other Christians. And she's nurtured in a group that's helping her to grow. And during that time, because she's back home, it gives her the opportunity to study with Tammy. And Tammy becomes a Christian. And on these next slides, you'll see that that's Kathy and her husband, Rich. He's now a Christian. The next slide, you see that Tammy, that also Robert, her husband, became a Christian. Later on, Brandon became a Christian, their son. But it doesn't stop there. Up north, Robert began to talk to his brother. And his brother became a Christian. His sister became a Christian. His mother became a Christian. Their three nieces are Christians. Who knows what the influence is beyond that? We'll never know the side of eternity. But 12 people directly impacted in that family. And one of the huge acts was someone simply coming to the door and saying, can I give you something? Was that all? No. One thing is never all. There's always a chain of events where children of God plant seeds, plant seeds, water, plant seeds, water, plant seeds, and one day God gives the increase. And today, I'm asking you, what's your prayer? What's your heart? If your will was done today, would it be in line with God's will that no one would perish? Will you say something? Will you do something? You don't ever have to do it all. Just do whatever God gives you the opportunity to do at that moment. This morning, I'm thankful that Peter realized we all need reminders. And I hope this morning that we're reminded also of how much God loves us and we're about to sing a song of invitation. And if you've never become a Christian, I don't know how to say to you in a brief moment of how important it is. We're not just talking about, look what it could do for you on this earth. That is the small, small picture. The huge picture is God wants a relationship with you for an eternity. And so if we could help you, whether it's during this invitation song or if it's this afternoon or later on to sit down and study, please know this, we would be honored. It would be one of the highlights of our week and maybe year 
to be able to sit down with you and simply open God's Word and just study. Because if our mind ever needs to be awakened to anything, Peter reminded us today it needs to be awakened to the Word of God. It's powerful. Maybe you have been awake, but then you dozed off. And maybe this morning was a stirring up that Peter wanted to accomplish. And maybe that's something you take care of between you and God. Or maybe it's something you need to repent and confess sins to your church family and, and pray forgiveness. But let's all be awakened today. And if we can help you, come as we stand, as we sing.